This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Three, two. Try to get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry. Hey everybody, welcome back to another Forever Mighty post-game show. It's Pat and Eddie. Jason's got the night off. Uh, the Ducks fall to the Philadelphia Flyers, uh, which should not have happened in regulation, but three goals to two uh, on just a wonderful defensive effort there by the Ducks in their own end. Um, Eddie, how do you feel about this one, my friend? Oh, man, it, it felt like they were going to scrape out with another, at least get another point in overtime. And or maybe, maybe they were going to win. It kind of felt like, you you know, it was trending that way. They were playing a little bit better. And then Nolan Patrick with the dagger and uh, they end up dropping their sixth straight game. Uh, we asked a couple weeks ago, how bad this can this get? This is how bad it can get. It's getting pretty bad. Six straight, yeah. six straight losses. Uh, no Josh Manson tonight. Um, oh. Ryan Miller making a start purely because John Gibson's seen about 15 to 20 games worth of pucks, and uh, they're giving him the night off. I, I, I really feel like that's kind of the way it's gone. Um, Miller played really well tonight. I don't think it's any fault of his that the Ducks didn't come through with a victory here tonight. Um, did you? What was the lowdown on Manson? Did you? Did you hear? Was he? Was he just scratched? Was he? Uh, he had an upper body injury. Is what they said. That's. That's just all I heard. Just something else. Yeah. Yeah. Something else for us to be So much for about. transparency this year. <laughs> just an upper body injury, and we'd have no idea what's going on. Uh, and then it was all late. Like, earlier today, there was a rumor that Marcus Pedersen had been called up because his name was on the Ducks roster on their website. But we kind of know not to believe that every time because sometimes it means nothing. Uh, this time it meant something. Key for sure it was, also wasn't on the roster, and he would end up getting sent down to San Diego. And Pedersen came up to literally fill the spot for Josh Manson. So, I don't know. Hopefully, it's not long-term. doesn't seem like it, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. Kind of disappointing. I, I really felt that uh, Sherwood had been playing pretty well. Energy guys. He's, uh, you know, he can skate. Um, I don't know what the reasoning was for pushing him down. And the reason for bringing Larson up, I guess, was just because they weren't happy with the way Pedersen was playing. But Yeah, uh, pretty much. The lineups again, man. The defensive pairings again. Nothing's working at all. Uh, Lindholm and Larson paired up. It's, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know what they're doing. I don't know where they think that this is going to go. But until they try what worked last year, I'm not going to give them a pass on anything. I was actually – it could have been worse because Luke Shen could have been playing on the second pairing today, and it could have been 
that much worse. But instead, they had Marcus Pedersen who drew into the lineup. But imagine if that was the case. This could have been. Uh, I mean, I'm not saying Luke Shen comes in and makes it that much worse, but it it could have looked uglier. But yeah, nothing's working. Um, Manson going out hurts it, and even though he wasn't playing good, it does kind of hurt what they had going a bit because they did have two consistent pairings in Lindholm and Wanto and Fowler and Manson, even though they really weren't working out. But now you kind of throw that into the garbage with Manson going with injury. Now you've got four lefties up. Somebody's playing on their offside. So it shows they don't have much face in, in Luke Shen that he wasn't playing when they st- they played four lefties instead. No, and it's like Gordon Bombay and Archekos, if they weren't happy the way Pedersen was playing, why'd they, why'd he continue to play? It's like, yeah, it's a good point. But uh, with yeah. Manson injured, they bring Larson up and they keep Pedersen on the ice. Uh, Pedersen takes a penalty here in the first period if you want to get this underway. I almost said cue the music and get this going, but now we're doing the intros in the beginning. Um, I didn't get a chance to say shout-out to uh, Joseph Raba for making the intro for it's us great. on YouTube, man. Pretty badass. It's so nice. Intro and outro so. is very nice. So we get to, I don't get to forget to cue the intro anymore, which is probably good for everybody, especially yeah. me. But uh, Pedersen hooks uh, Voracek. Ducks go on the penalty kill, and it just didn't take long, man. It was under, what, under three minutes in, or just a little over three minutes in, and it's all of a sudden a one nothing. Couturier in front of the net on the power play. Uh, it's almost like what Detroit used to do with these, the high screen Datsuk and Zetterberg set each other up, but it, it wasn't that high up in the slot of lower circles. Gets a stick on it, nothing really could do there, and all of a sudden it's one nothing. It's it's a great setup play uh, to throw Sean Couturier to the front of the net to get it. I, it's kind of a high tip. He's not right in front of the net. He's kind of in between the circles, and uh, he's. I mean, he's not really marked, but I guess you're not really expecting him to get that kind of good tip off. And it's perfect. It's right into the far side where Miller can't do anything. Uh, it's unfortunate, but it's a great setup by the Philadelphia Flyers to get that going. Yeah. Uh, and the rest of this period, I um, kind of want to talk about it in a whole because the shots on goal just re- really weren't indicative of how the how the Ducks played. They were close. It was like 10 to 7 Flyers at the end of the first period. So if you look at yeah. that, you're like, oh, that's a marked improvement. Uh, in reality, the Ducks didn't get any chances by my book, looking at this first period, what's you know what what was a chance in this period? I think the broadcast said they had one scoring chance. I would try to remember what it was because I didn't feel like yeah. they were dangerous at all. I mean, they gave up a shorthanded breakaway to Lofton. Um, thankfully, Miller was able to make a big save there on the breakaway, and I felt like it's this recurring theme of odd man rushes going in the duck zone. And if you watch the Flyers attack to the blue line, the Ducks. G- don't close the gap. The Flyers are able to come in and stick handle into the blue line without any any contest. I don't know what's going on, but uh, just nothing's changed. No, not, nothing's changed. The, they looked, again, they looked better this game, but that's not saying much the way they've played the last five games before this. The The last period of the, the, the last game against the Sharks was probably one of the best periods they played all season because – you look at who they're playing. They're playing a San Jose team who's one of the best possession teams in the league. They're ranked third behind Vegas and Carolina. They're supposed to be one of the powerhouses in the entire NHL. And the Ducks dominated in that third period at the end of uh, last game. And we we're kind of hoping that would continue into this game. You got like a half of it, I guess you could say. You didn't get the full press that they were throwing out against the Sharks. You got a little bit better than what we've seen on a regular basis, but they're still giving up chances. They're not really getting anything going offensively. Really disorganized with maybe 
the Getzlaff Raquel and Auberg line the only bright spot of what was not a great start to the game? No. I don't know, man. It's hard not to be repetitive on this show, but yeah. they're just not fixing the major things that are wrong with this team. And and to me, they're just defensively look out of whack. The whole thing's out of whack defensively. All So many missed assignments, uh, so many odd man rushes. I don't know what tape these coaching these, this coaching staffs looking at and being like, yeah, let's let's keep these pairs together. It makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense here. Um, Miller was forced to make a number of good saves in the first period. And, I, I mean, one of the notes I put down here for the first is that the Flyers were just seemingly able to, to do whatever the hell they wanted. They would come into yeah. the zone, cycle it around, go to the front of the net. Uh, Wayne Simmons is, you know, that nasty power forward. I love that guy. Uh, just causing all kinds of havoc in front of the net. And Ducks can't get a body on him. He's creating chances down low. I mean, Miller had to be good. He's like a third-line guy for them, too. The amount of t- On a regular basis, when James Van Riemsdyk and their entire team is healthy – he gets bumped down to the third line at times, which is insane because of how effective he is. And he's one of the better power play guys in the league because he goes to the net and he's a, he's a handful to deal with. And he was for, he was, he was for the ducks in in this first period throughout most of the game too. But man, the flyers like pretty much every team this year, just allowed to do whatever they want. Like you said, they just, they're allowed to set up. There's no real pressure. Nobody's kind of forechecking when the puck does get out. They're allowed to, get a clean zone exit every time clean zone entry it's they're not really getting pressured in the neutral zone it, it's like oh it's a free pass to just skate around the ducks do whatever you want get a shot on goal it's been like that all year the ducks offense is uh just is very telling as to how this team's playing because they're, one they're not scoring right so yeah two they're not getting many chances on the rush um luckily auberg's been able to cash in on some great individual effort right uh, the last game and then this game he gets a nice one which we'll get to later from Raquel but I, I just when you see a team trying to make a stretch pass or the all you play over and over and over again which is what you saw from Anaheim tonight um, it, it's just it's really telling there's no collective movement from the defensive zone to break out and, and come out they are literally hoping they could spring guys out on breakaways or force an odd man rush out in the neutral zone rather than what good teams do, which is take it and skate it out of your own blue line and create a play on the rush. Ducks have no rush offense whatsoever. It's I'm not even like they're set up that. to do that. They're not even really set up to be that type of team who has the stretch pass. I mean, the Sharks were it's, it's a good example because when you've got Eric Carlson and Brent Burns on your blue line, you're kind of set up to do that, and they've got a lot of fast wingers, and they play that style. And we saw it in the last game. Eric Carlson's stretch pass for the three-on-two that led to Timo Meyer's goal. That's a team that's set up to make those types of plays. The Ducks aren't set up to do that. Not only do they not really have a consistent blue liner who can pick out that pass on a regular basis, they don't have any support from the forwards to make a play like that. But they continue to try and play that style where they're going to go for the long bomb pass. I mean, how many times do we see Ryan Getzlaff try and make that play yeah he can pull it off maybe one every three times and it looks pretty nice and the problem is the ducks don't really have anybody who can finish on those types of plays the last one we saw from ryan getzloff was to josh manson against dallas he mishandled the puck and went all the way back down for a goal yeah i I mean i I don't know how many times they're going to try it it's now one game away from being their seventh loss in a row which if you remember the last time randy carlo was fired they lost seven in a row before they fired him 
yeah, they've looked better the last two games, but not by much. I don't feel like he's going to get fired anytime soon. I still feel like he gets fired this year, but I don't think anytime soon. I think the it's injuries straight, are still like, – well, it's the injuries. No yeah. Ease, no Kasha, no Richie. Um, right now, no Manson. It's he, he has a lot to say, I feel like, about how this team's playing. He'd be like, I don't have my vets. You have me, all these kids in my lineup. Uh, you know, and what is he supposed to do is what he's going to probably say to Bob. I'm sure Bob's going to go to bat for him too, man, because he's part of that decision-making process. It, it, it's, it'd be dumb to think that Randy Carlisle is the only one making roster choices here. It, a lot of it has to – it comes from, like, the collective brain trust. It's the coaching staff, and Bob Murray has a lot to say. There's a reason why Bob Murray brought Randy Carlisle back, and it wasn't because yeah. they weren't buddies. I mean, obviously he likes him. Um, we'll see what happens, but we have, I'm sure we'll have that question as we do every night, and I understand why we do every night. I have to answer why Randy Carlisle is still here. Well, I'm, I know that's in our in our queue again tonight. But uh, let's get to the second period, man. we got to get to something positive. Um, point to Sauberg, man. Again, scoring a goal. Raquel with the quick move up along the boards in the second period, entering the zone. Holy hell, it was off the rush. Amazing when you yeah. carry the puck and you don't dump it in. Off the rush, wires across uh, the ice to Auburg, who just goes top shelf on Elliott, and all of a sudden the Ducks are making a game of it. It's 1-1. All of a sudden, Pontus Auburg has woken up. Uh, when the offense is there, the, he's a great player. The thing me and uh, McCann talked about on our last show is it's the defensive side of the game where if he's not doing this on a nightly basis, he's not doing things right, generally. He was one of the worst players defensively on the team, even in the where he had the high that real play in the two goals against the Sharks. So it's a great play by him. I mean, it, it you know he takes the puck, he waits a little bit. I don't know if it hits somebody because it, lo- it looks like a weird kind of floating shot. He doesn't really hammer it. It's kind of just a floater that finds its way to the top corner but you got to give him credit i mean he's the only guy for this team scoring goals at this point he scored the ducks last four goals which is ridiculous i i mean i like it when he has the puck on his stick but you're right he's kind of invisible otherwise and but i think the reason why they brought him in is purely to score at this point i mean that's what they need they need scores i mean you can't really blame him for their defensive woes right you got to look at no. the rest of the team at that point. Um, so he's able to make it a game. I thought it was going to start turning around here. But the Ducks have the notoriously bad second period, as we've talked about. I mean, they're outshot this period 17-9. to nine. So what we thought was going to be a close, uh, closer game for the Ducks shot-wise on the clock didn't turn out to be that way. Um, plenty of chances the ducks after after they get the goal from auberg i felt like they were starting to get some chances yeah. there starting to pick up a play uh they even got chances in the penalty kill odd man rushes in the penalty kills starting to make the flyers worry a bit there but uh then the unlucky thing happens flyers yep. get a goal oh, of course ivan provorov out in front of the net Giroux with the shot off the skate goes top or top shelf over on miller and this is where the collapse happens for the ducks after they go down two to one they kind of just don't know what to do anymore um, not much Miller could have done on that shot, though, man. I mean, anytime it hits something that close in front of you, I don't know what you're gonna do. You just hope it hits you. He's in position for Giroux's shot too. It just takes a nasty deflection off Provov, Provov's leg and goes into the bottom corner. You, you can't. I mean, you can't do anything for that. It's up to the guy in front of the net to clear Ivan Provov out. Honestly, I have no idea 
why Ivan Provorov is even in front of the net, but he's completely uncovered. Like, he's there by himself. Maybe he caught them off guard. I mean, Raquel is just kind of waiting there, and then I believe it's Pedersen who's covering in front of the net. So he's got his man in Travis Konechny, but nobody is watching Ivan Provorov. So, I mean, it's a good play by Provorov to kind of throw off the defense and find his way to the front of the net. But uh, it's a tough play, again. it's a missed assignment from the defense, and you've got yourself... It's an unlucky goal, yes, but it's a goal that probably could have been invented if somebody is there to push him out of the way. And then we go to uh, the, 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 the Ducks trying to make those stretch passes or all oops. Albert gets sprung in on a partial break, um, wasn't able to get a shot on net, but the Flyers were still able to go back the other way and like just come in uncontested. Uh, there was yep. really nothing that the Ducks were doing. Nobody's touching them. So yeah. many guys on the Flyers were able to walk out of the corner, go right into the front to Miller, or walk off the half wall and go to the dot and able to get a shot away. Whether it's deflected or on goal at that point, it doesn't really matter. It's just the Flyers are creating all kinds of havoc in front of the net. Um, the Ducks at one point were shotless to the Flyers seven in this period. Um, it just shows you what type of play the Ducks had after they got scored on there. Uh, ben Streak gets sprung on a partial break, but I mean, of all people, Racco Gudis is the one that's able to time up and prevent that there. Badly outshot, outchance in the second period. Very, very typical of the Ducks uh, play we've seen so far. Um, after starting the season strong, this is this is just very much a clear picture of why they're 0-5-1, right? That's yeah, it and it's, it's a carbon copy of the last five shows in a way. I mean, this, this game was slightly different where it wasn't, you know, 45 pushing 50 shots and – the Ducks weren't getting anything happening. It was marginally better, but not enough where you're like, oh, yeah, things are turning around. And it's also against the team, uh, the league's worst team, goals against average, also a team that's in the bottom third in goals per game, not, and a team I think who had lost four of their last five. So it's not like you've started playing better against a team who, you know, you, you, who a team where you're like, oh, yeah, that's a good team and we're playing better against them that maybe we should take some positives out of this. You, they should they should have killed them. It, They're it, below the, the, the Ottawa Senators in the standings, if that yeah. tells you anything right, right now. The, the Flyers are 5-7, yeah. and seven, including the win tonight. Well, now they're not. Uh, now they're below 500, and it starts to look real. Now you've lost six games in a row. You're 5-6-1. and one. It's not looking that good. Or sorry, I think 5-6-2. Five, five, but it's not looking too good for the Ducks now. It's, it's kind of caught up to you, the, the way you're playing at the beginning of the season, like we thought it would. This is a team that you shouldn't have got this outplayed by, especially no. when you've got Brian Elliott in the net. You've got to start generating some chances because more than likely, as we've seen in the past, you get some shots, you get enough shots on Brian Elliott, most of them are going to go into the back of the net. And he had they a lazy could... game today. Puck was bouncing off him, giving up anything. rebounds, puck popping out of his glove. The broadcast was very aware of Dude, that and mentioning that. It's every game with him. He's Swiss cheese every game. And they didn't generate enough scoring chances to really get anything going. I mean, it's it's ridiculous. I mean, you look at the two goals. Auberg's goal was not a hard shot. Good placement, but not a good... I mean, Brian Elliott probably should have had that. And he's not really screened on the play. The second one is is similar to Provorov's goal where it deflects in. But it's not like Brian Elliott was playing lights out. The Ducks just weren't really making him work. Pontus Auberg is the Ducks' leading goal scorer right now. Seven yeah. games, four goals. <laughs> From two games. From yeah. two he's games. Now two, he's the leading two, goal scorer. Two, he scored in two games, yeah. Uh, yeah. Ra Raquel still leads the team in points with eight in 13 games played, but Raquel with only two goals, man, is kind of, kind of, uh, just a scary moment, right? After such a good year last yeah. year. 
But uh, let's move on. Let's get out of this uh, crappy second period and get on to the third period. Um, Ducks start the third period with some uh, power play pressure. I felt like that the power play looked much better in this game than it has in the past. I I know they didn't generate the craziest amount of chances. Um, they did have a few. I know Ricard Raquel missed a, missed a shot, um, and then Getzloff tried to get the rebound as it bounced off the boards and go the other way. But nothing too crazy going on. But I was nice to see them getting some uh, some power play chances. The the puck movement was better, and I think they kind of carried over what we saw a little bit in the game against San Jose. They had one of the better power plays. I, I believe it was in that game. They had about a minute 30 of zone time on the power play. They didn't get anything out of it. They didn't get any great ice scoring opportunities, but they were getting at least some possession, and they got that a little bit in this game. But it is, I, I believe the Flyers as well are in the bottom third on penalty kill. So you look at that and you take it with a grain of salt. You say, yeah, they look better on the power play. But this is also a team who's not been good at all on the penalty kill this year. So how much is attributed to the Ducks playing well or the Flyers just being inept on the penalty kill? Uh, I would like to think it would be the Ducks playing well. I would hope so. But you always have to take that into consideration because there's some teams in the league that are horrible on the penalty kill and they can make anybody look good. No, it's true. Um, The Ducks, I mean, they give up more and more chances in this game, though, Eddie. I don't. The third period, like, I, like a lot of people were saying, they kind of cleaned it, kind of cleaned it up last game, kind of cleaned it up this game. I don't know what games people are watching. It doesn't look drastically better, right? It no. didn't look like they made any like massive difference. Um, and maybe the the level of competition against the Ducks tonight wasn't what it was prior, right? So they weren't getting the same chances kind of what I feel like, but I mean, they still had so many odd man rushes. I'd love to look at that stat. If we knew how many odd man rushes were for and against, because it looks yeah. like it would be just the ducks would be buried on the wrong side of that. It's every game too. I mean, it's the, yeah, I keep referring to the San Jose game, but the amount of odd man rushes, the sharks had in that game. I wish I could have seen a stat for that too, because it seemed like it was one every three minutes pretty much. Um, and it was like that in this game too. Uh, obviously the flyers didn't cash in on as many as the sharks did, but uh, I, I, what do you attribute to that to defensive coverage, just a, a poor setup in the neutral zone, not getting, you know, not pressuring the puck enough to, to really, or over, you know, over forechecking to the sense that you're out of position. Like there's a lot of things that they're doing wrong that could contribute to that. Um, watching the games, uh, the defense hasn't been great. We all know that they haven't put the pairings together that we've been begging for. At least you and I have been begging for. And a few other people who listen to us have been saying the same thing, you know, Hey, why not put, Fowler Montour together, Lindholm Manson together. It worked. Why not keep doing that? Um, but beyond that, um, like I was saying, like the forwards aren't doing enough. I feel like in their own end, they're missing assignments high. That's what what that's what will attribute to a lot of the high the high slot chances the Ducks have been giving up, or just the slot chances in general. Right, the defensemen are allowed to yeah. walk in and, and get shots on net and create. Um, the Ducks forwards aren't doing their job, and I'm not sure why that change is so drastic from last year to this year because i didn't remember it being this big of a problem last year it didn't look like no. this it, the system was never amazing but no but it was set up to it was more of a defensive system than this is so the forwards had i think a little bit more responsibility in their own zone or at least were told to have a bit more responsibility in their own zone uh again we, we somebody brought this i mean not just one person but a lot of people have brought up the team looks lazy and, and it's the forwards in their own zone. I mean, we talked about Ricard Raquel missing an assignment on Ivan Provorov's goal. He's not pushing him out of the way. Yeah, it's it's not it's unexpected to have a defenseman come down to the front of the net like that. But 
if you see him there, Raquel has enough time to at least get a stick in the way or put, give, you know, give him a little bit of shove to get him out of right in front of the net. Doesn't do it. Kind of just watches the puck. He watches closure with the puck, and the shot ends up taking the deflection. And now you can't blame Ricard Raquel for the deflection, but you can definitely blame him for the fact that he missed that assignment on Ivan Provorov. And it, we've seen it from pretty much everybody in the Ducks lineup, I would say, except Jakob Silverberg, who arguably is the Ducks' best defensive forward. For puck watching, right? You can blame him for puck watching. That's what I feel like. Yeah. Um, yeah. How do you feel about Lundestrom's play tonight? He He's yet to get a goal. He's had plenty of chances. Just has had some chances in this one, too. He did. Yeah, he, he, had, he had some good chances in this one. But it, it seems like every time he's got an open net or a good chance, uh, an opposing player gets their stick on it or gets mm-hmm. in the way or blocks the shot. Looked good again. I mean, he hasn't been outstanding but he does all the little things right and rarely makes a big mistake, which, again, I mean, for an 18-year-old kid coming out of uh, Sweden, that's uh, that's ridiculous. I mean, I haven't seen a, a guy in a while who wasn't a highly touted prospect come in and be this defensively responsible where he right now is right up there with Jakob Silverberg and arguably one of the best defensive forwards for the Ducks. I mean, he's so responsible, and the management has responded to that. They're putting him on the penalty kill. For an 18-year-old, mm-hmm. I, I, I mean, again, I'm, I'm impressed with what he's done. I would love to see him finally get on the score sheet because I think he more than deserves it. Um, his offense still has a little bit of ways to go, and in, in, in maybe with the maturity that will come and just getting more experience in the league. Um, he's not a dynamic offensive player by any means, but I still think he could be a 30, 40-point guy in this league if he's given the right uh, the right line mates get some good chemistry going. Finally, locks down a position that would be nice for him because right, he's yeah. played, he's played on both wings and at center. Uh, but he, he definitely more than deserves to still be on this team just for the fact that he's so responsible pretty much every game he plays in. So the Ducks end up getting a power play with three minutes and thirty three seconds to go, and they pull Ryan Miller. One of the bright things that Randy Carlisle did in this game is. Say, why the hell not? Let's, uh, let's make it a three-minute power play. Why not? And make it a six-on-four. It works out for the Ducks. Um, Cam Fowler coming in. The, the Ducks put some pressure in on that on that power play. Puck comes out of the zone. They kind of reset. And you got to give it to Auberg, man. He blocked out the sun from Brian Elliott. There was no way Brian Elliott was going to see that puck. And I thought it was Fowler who walked in and scored. And then upon replay, it kind of hits between the body and the stick of Auberg, so he gets his second goal of the night, ties it up. I mean, everyone in my house screamed and cheered. Everyone was super excited. Yeah, was tied it up, so man. did I. <laughs> I was like, holy I, hell. <laughs> Jeez. I, I, I mean, we did not really expect it. They were playing a little bit better, but still, again, couldn't really get anything going. Um, I thought it was Fowler's goal, too, to begin with. And honestly, I would have maybe liked it to be Cam Fowler's goal because it would have been nice to see the defenseman get involved in the play. It is a great play, nonetheless, from Cam Fowler circling around, coming down to this dot, and at least getting a shot on net. Uh, but if that doesn't hit Auberg, that's not going into the back of the net. It, it is a good shot. It's probably hitting the post if it gets through everybody. Um, but Auberg, again, in the right position, getting the stick on the puck, making things happen, pretty much the only Ducks forward making things happen right now. Uh, and now he has, again, like I said, the last four goals for the Ducks. And everything looked good. But now, uh, 20 seconds later, things uh, things turned around pretty quick. Oh, yeah. 21 seconds later, Nolan Patrick, wide open in the slot, uncontested. Um, someone missed their assignment. Lindholm was in front of the net. Chases, I forget who goes behind the net, but Chases behind the net. 
The pass comes back out in front. Uh, Kessler way late. Larson way late to turning around. So Nolan Patrick is able to bury the puck, and that's all she wrote. I mean, after that, I mean, turnovers. Like, the Ducks tried to get things going, but they kept turning the puck over. Wayne Simmons yeah. just doing whatever he wants, and the Ducks are in the Ducks zone, not a problem at all. Um, I mean, obviously, no other goals go in, the, and the Flyers win this one 3-2. to two, But, uh, I mean, what the hell, man? Wow. Just no coverage in front of the net on that goal. No, it, it's awful. I mean, Larson is doing what he should be doing, covering the back post and making sure that uh, I – believe it was Robert Hag with the the first pass doesn't get out and come back for the goal. Uh, we're, I mean, I've got the goal playing up here on YouTube so they can, everybody can see who missed the assignment on this. It looks like it's Ryan Kessler who misses the assignment because he is the third man into the zone. He also is the center, so he should be covering in the slot, especially on a play like that. He's late to the play again, kind of caught puck watching, which a lot of the Ducks have been this season. And you can't, you can't, I mean, right after you score a goal, you should have the momentum. You, you just tied the game. There's only a couple minutes left in the game. You, you, you know, get on your horse and get going. And I mean, leaving a guy, no matter who it is, you know, Nolan Patrick isn't a known name yet in this league, but it doesn't matter. It could be anybody. It could be Radical Gudis. You don't leave them open in front of the net like that and miss an assignment, especially 20 seconds later when you tied the game, you have a chance to take it into overtime and get a point. Uh, it's it's ridiculous the amount of times the Ducks have missed assignments this season that have led to a goal and and a, an important goal for the Flyers. It was brutal. It was so brutal. Yeah. I was like, you you gotta be kidding. It's too good to be true. There there was no way the Ducks were gonna take this to overtime. Apparently, right? I mean, this, this just yeah. had to happen. Um, so Ducks wrap up their sixth straight loss. Um, unfortunate. Oh five and one. All right on this skid here losing the overtime game because yeah. Gibby popped the puck out in front of the net on the one of the few mistakes he's made this season um I don't know man uh we got uh we got some positive stuff we can talk about really quick I, after we get to uh some post game questions and notes um Dave if you're listening Dave is a uh, as a supporter on our Patreon and uh he gets to play a game show and he's going to go ahead and have to answer the majority. He has to get the majority of the questions right. There's five questions, but he will get this autographed Paul Korea. What do you call that? Um, I don't know. It's on yeah, a, I was trying to figure out what to call, call that. I, I don't know. It's like a, a poster. It's it's an, on. An, a, well, it, it's like an easel. <laughs> an easel. Easel, which you put yeah. something on to paint. Yeah, no, it's not an easel. Yeah, but it looks like it. I don't know. It's a piece of cardboard <laughs> with a cam. It's is it it's, canvas? It's, it's, it's canvas, it's canvas right? Yeah, it's canvas. Yeah, it's, it's canvas. Wood. Yeah, it's not cardboard. Jesus. It's canvas well, is nice. Autographed yeah, by Paul Korea from Paul Korea Night. So that's what Dave is playing for tonight. But uh, before we get to the fun, we got to answer some uh, burning questions here. Uh, his hairness. He's always one to come in and, and chime in. We appreciate that. Thoughts on the possibility of John Gibson requesting a trade if we become worse than a bad team and thoughts on Getzloff shooting more. I, I he's never gonna ask for a trade. I wouldn't say never, but not any. No, but he just signed a contract. Is he asking There's... for a trade here? No move yeah. clause, right? Um, I I can't. He had see to expect that this could come eventually. I don't think anybody expected this to happen this early, but he had to know through eight years. Eventually, this team might have struggles. So yeah, it's earlier than expected, but I don't think he's at the point where he's gonna ask for the trade. I I mean. Yeah, he's frustrated. He he's out of anybody on this team. He deserves to be frustrated because he's doing. He's probably the only one doing everything he can. 
But uh, no, it, it's too early for him to ask for a trade. He may right now feel like he wants to be anywhere but Anaheim, but I'm sure long term. I mean, everything he said after signing the contract that he wants to be here, you wouldn't sign an eight year uh, an eight year contract if you didn't want to be with the team for for a long time. He could have just moved on in free agency if that was the case. Um, I think he's fully committed to this team. But, yeah, he's frustrated. Everybody's frustrated. Well, he's got a modified no-trade clause in the third year of his new deal, which doesn't kick in until next year. And he has to submit a 10-team list, a no-trade list, to the team every yeah. year. That's it. So he doesn't have a no-move clause. I was wrong on that part. Uh, one of the few people Bob Murray didn't give a, uh, a permanent key to the city to. But uh, So I don't think Gibby's going anywhere. And then thoughts on Getzloff shooting more? That's been his career. It's been brought up. Um, so many times I get the frustration though. Honestly, I do. I, I yeah. like that question because I question it myself. Like, dude, just shoot the puck more. You got a great shot. I mean, we see it, we know how much you can do, but I mean, just a la Joe Thornton, Joe Thornton's probably got a great shot. We've seen him put in some nice goals, right? Uh, we know he's got a decent shot on there, but he's, he's a passer. It's just very much what Ryan Getzloff is as well. I don't think it's going to change whatsoever. See, when I read that question, I was like, uh, I had to go double check. Like, is he shooting more? Is he shooting the puck more? He has 18 shots through the uh, the eight games he's played, or depending on what he had tonight. He had three shots tonight. So he's got 21 through the first eight games. Maybe, I don't know what he was shooting last year, but it seems like he's shooting a little bit more. I mean, that's almost, what, three shots per game? Or it's more than three shots per game. So seems like he's shooting the puck more. I mean, in, in some situations, he's still thinking pass first when he should shoot it, but that's always going to be Ryan Getzlaff. That's just the type of player he is. But I guess um, I'd have to look at it again. I'd have to look at his numbers from last year. But on a basic, like looking at the shots from this year, kind of feels like he's shooting the puck more. I, I don't really know, but I would love him to in situations where he should. Uh, right. But he's he's still going to be the guy that we rely on to make that pass. So he shouldn't always be looking to shoot. But of course, we've said this for years. When he's in a position where he should shoot and he, and he makes the pass. We all wish he could shoot more. As your eyes just roll to the back of your head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Benjamin, I'm Russell. just remembering a play from earlier this year. Oh, uh, I think it was against like Dallas or something where he made a cross crease pass and didn't didn't shoot it. So I was just trying to trying to get that out of my brain. Typical, very typical yeah. of Mr. Getzloff. Uh, Benjamin Russell asked, "Why would Randy Carlisle keep Landisi up and send Sherwood down?" That is my question for tonight as well. Sherwood puts yeah. up uh, puts in more effort than the majority of the team lately, according to Benjamin. I would I would agree. He's always an energy guy. He's an energy guy. He's a young guy. Uh, he's got some wheels on him. I don't know what the hell the difference was. Um, I didn't see anything from Landisi that made me go, "Oh, I'm glad they sent Sherwood down to support San Diego and bring Landisi up." I, I'm gonna agree and say with, with Benjamin. I think Sherwood is waiver exempt, so maybe that plays a bit into probably. it. That uh, they're doing it on such late notice that Blandisi would probably have. To, and again, I'm not 100% sure on this, but Blandisi would likely have to clear waivers before they could even send him down. So if they had to make room on the roster to play Marcus Pedersen and call him up, then you have to send somebody down that can go down right away. So I think that's why Kiefer Sherwood was sent down. I don't expect him to be down there long unless Richie. Silverberg or Eves or even or sorry Richie Kasha and Eves are anywhere close to being in the lineup then maybe he stays down there uh, but I would assume once Josh Manson is back one of the defensemen goes back down to San Diego and Kiefer Sherwood comes right back up I, I don't expect him to be down there too long because he definitely didn't deserve to get sent down I think it's more of just a paper move to allow for the Ducks to replace Josh Manson in the short term yeah no probably 
That makes sense. Uh, Damian Price asks, how long do you think Randy Carlisle will have his job for? It's so obviously he hasn't lost the locker room. Or wait, for It's so obvious he has lost the locker room. I can see it from Sydney, Australia. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think it's anytime soon. I think you're looking at a... Uh, <laughs> A Christmas gift to Ducks fans. I think that, I think uh, before the new year he'll get let go, unless things drastically change or drastically change. I I don't see him getting fired anytime in the short term. What if they lost the next three or four games? No, nah, he's not going anywhere. If this lo- if this losing streak hits ten games, you think he's still here? I do. Who are they, they going to do? Who's going to who are they going to bring up? They're going to bring up Akers, I, right? you At that point, it doesn't matter who's available, or whatever. You force a coach's hand. If you lose ten games in a row, you have to change something especially if you're a team who's supposed to make the playoffs. If this was a team that was supposed to miss the playoffs and be this bad, like the Detroit Red Wings, you're not going to fire your coach. But when you're expected to make the playoffs and be competitive and your window's running out, something has to change. You've got to turn it around and try and make the playoffs. You've got to make that dramatic move to to get them out of here. I don't think if the the Ducks continue to play bad, especially if the losing streak hits 9 or 10, I think he's gone. I mean, he's already on, on probably one of the hottest seats in the NHL, if not the hottest. And I think short term, if the Ducks lose, you know, even like three of the next four, four of the next five, I think he's gone. He has nothing left on his contract, right? This is his last year. Uh, yeah, so they have nothing holding them back for firing. Right. Him. They they're not going to have to pay him next year or whatever, right? Because always, that's always a, a thing. Um, he can't be making too much money. I, I doubt it. So... I just maybe by Thanksgiving, I just don't see the Ducks firing him anytime soon, man. I feel like they're gonna let, they're gonna maybe. ride this out until we start getting everyone healthy, and if they still are playing this bad when everyone's healthy, then I could be like, okay, yeah, they're gonna definitely fire him. They're just not picking it up. But until then, man, I'm just gonna go with the flow here with what Bob Murray's always done. It's never the coach's fault, right? It's the players need to fix this. We need to play yeah. faster. It's kind of like well, you knew who Randy Carlisle was when you hired him. You knew who he was. You know the roster you have built. Um, at what point is it Bob Murray's ass? Yeah. Right? That's, uh, I think, well, usually the GM gets fired if things don't change after the coach goes. Um, and that's up to the owners, I believe, anyway, right? right. To yep. To want to let him go. So, obviously, Carlisle's first. Um, and and I, don't, I think Murray's job is safe for definitely for the end of this season. If the Ducks are bad for, like, the next two or three years, then maybe, but maybe. he's done a good enough job where he his job seems pretty secure. I mean, the drafting that him and his staff have done have set this team up for more of a retool than a rebuild. You know, yeah, the Stanley Cup has eluded them for a while and the window's closing. And sometimes for, for some other teams that, you know, will spur the winds of change and you'll end up seeing a GM that gets fired and somebody else brought in, but... Uh, at this point, I think he's safe for the foreseeable future. I, I, I can't really see any situation where Bob Murray isn't a part of this team, even in the next three or four years. Um, maybe when, you know, Getzlaff and Perry and Kessler are gone, and if this, they're looking to take the team in a new direction, that's usually what you hear when a GM gets fired is, oh, we're looking to take this team in a new direction, right. and we need a new voice. Maybe that, but I think as long as Getzlaff, Perry, Kessler, the, the old regime of this team are still here, he's he's still here. Three to four more years, man. That's what you're talking about. Yeah. Um, yeah. Joseph Holmes on Facebook says we should get these hashtags going. Hire Gronborg and then hashtag uh, Swedenheim. Do you know who Gronborg is? Oh, yeah. It's who, who asked that question? No, Joseph Holmes said we should keep that hashtag going, though. 
Hashtag hire Gromberg. Gromberg. Oh yeah, that that was uh, Jens Lindbergh's question. That he asked us out on Twitter uh, to hire the former Swedish international coach. Um, yeah, I mean maybe. I don't. I, I mentioned on the last show though. I don't see them hiring from outside the organization during the middle of the season. It would be mostly, most likely, an interim uh, promotion for Dallas Eakin. See how he does, and then you reassess in the off season and see if you need to make any changes. Uh, if nothing goes right with Aikens or you don't like what he did, then maybe then. Uh, but again, I don't really know. I, I, I still haven't looked in, up enough on this guy. It's it's always a good thing when they've had pre- previous experience with a lot of players on your team in Ricard Raquel, uh, Hampus Lindholm, Jakob Silverberg. I'm not sure if he's he dealt with the younger guys like Isaac Linderstrom or Jakob Larson, but uh, it, it's always a good thing to be able to bring in a guy who's had some experience. You see that with college coaches too sometimes where they – bring in a college coach who's maybe had experience in the past with a superstar on the team and worked well with them. So that's always a good thing. Um, I don't know. We'll have to see that. That would be interesting. I, I, I really have no idea what direction they're going to go other than at Dallas Eakins. Yeah. I mean, that's probably the direction they would go. I would think, uh, Benjamin, Benjamin Russell again on Facebook says, what's up with Ricard Raquel, two goals in 12 games. Um, he's playing with Getzloff, not finishing. Yeah, I don't know. Not finishing. And the, the, the system isn't set up. I think for him, to succeed is so disorganized and the ducks can't get any offensive zone time or any play going in the offensive zone that he really can't get set up to do what to do what got him 33 goals last year um they the ducks need to be set up for that because he's usually a, the beneficiary of a, a really nice pass from ryan Getzlaff. and again i'm not trying to harp on raquel and saying he can't create things on his own because he can but he is the beneficiary of playing with ryan Getzlaff and one of the reasons he has back-to-back 30-goal years is because of that. And when you can't get anything going offensively because of the system that's in place, and the players obviously don't like playing in this system, you can see it on their faces, you can see it in their play on the ice, everybody's slumping. It's not just Ricard Raquel. Everybody's playing bad. Jakob Silfberg was the only one playing good, and I guess Maxim Comtois, and then they got hurt. Uh, they've come back, or Silfberg's come back. He's looked okay. And now Auberg's the, the only one doing anything for the Ducks in the last two games. So I, I, I don't want to just get on Ricard Raquel because everybody's been bad, but he was a guy we expected to be good no matter what and challenge for a third straight 30-goal season. And uh, that doesn't look likely now with only 2-12. and 12. No, not at all. I, I can't see that going for him this year. I, don't, I think he's going to sit well below, right? You're looking maybe at a 20-goal score this season for him. If, if things start to pick up, that would be nice. But yeah. uh, just, I don't know, man. I don't know what to say about Ricard Raquel. I thought it was Ryan Getzloff not playing with him, and now they're together, yeah. and he's just not able to bury the puck. Not not the same dynamic player we've seen, uh, for sure. Um, you have any other questions up on uh, on your end here? Yeah, so I have a couple questions on uh, we have on Instagram, and then we have a couple in the YouTube chat. Um, we had Daniel Jacobson who said, "Do you think Gibson can win the Vesna on a losing team?" Yes. If he keeps playing like this, yeah. But no, if he doesn't have the forty goalie, I think he's going to win for sure. It's hard to sustain that the amount of shots he's facing. We've seen that the last couple games, where yeah, he still played well, but the goals against average takes a hit when you end up giving up five goals, and the numbers will take a hit because that save percentage might still stay high for him. I mean, if he finished the season with like a not even above nine thirty save percentage, he has to be in the discussion. Um, but the wins are always going to be a factor if he is on a losing team, as Daniel said in the question. And um, if he's only got like 20, 30 wins by the end of this season, 
uh, playing in 60 or 70 games and the Ducks missed the playoffs, I think even despite the numbers, unless they're way ahead of the next guy, it's going to be a tough for him because the wins always play such a big factor in who ends up winning the Vesna or even who gets nominated. Yeah, no, the wins do play a huge factor. Um, but you can't deny if he plays 60 games and has a 935, 940 save percentage, I mean, it's hard to deny that, right? I, I, yeah. I feel like it's, that's really tough. Um, they place a lot on wins, so I get it. But I feel like if he has that high of a save percentage after the 60-game mark, it's kind of like, I don't know, man. He's carrying this team. Even through losses, he's putting up dominant performances. But the, the amount of shots he's facing is absurd. Um, what did you feel about Carlisle saying the Ducks are too cute and have to get dirtier? Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. I didn't even see that quote. That was Carlisle. Is that from tonight? No, it's from uh, the game the other night. It wasn't out. It was uh, before tonight. Oh, man. Well, that didn't work out, did it? Got to get uh, got to get dirtier. But did they out hit the Flyers? That was one of our questions for for everybody. Oh, I'm three sure stars. they did. I'm sure they. I'm sure they did out hit the Flyers, and that doesn't mean diddly squat when you're talking about uh, the the end of the game score, right? And I'm sure that was kind of like the the whole the whole reason why that question was asked. Like, oh, hey, at least you out hit him. <laughs> you beat him in one category. Yeah, yeah, but you're still getting outshot 36 25 against uh, one of the worst teams or offensively in the NHL. I don't know. That's that's a that's a disgusting comment from Randy Carlisle. I just it bothers me so much that that's what he has to say after a loss to the Sharks where they got completely obliterated but somehow scraped out with an overtime point in that game. And we didn't um, hit them. They hit us 25 to 17. The Flyers did. Yeah, the Flyers. I hit the Ducks 25 17 tonight. I mean, face off wins. It's like he's wants. It's like he's like crying out for help, saying, "I need to go back to my old system. We need to. (laughs) We need to stop playing cute. I don't want to play this system. Help me. I want to play the old system. Like that's gonna work any much better." But I, I don't know, man. Every comment he has at the end of the game, it it just you roll your eyes and you just cringe a little bit because it's (laughs) it's never regarding anything that's actually going on. It's it's always just kind of like trying to save his ass or something that literally makes no sense or that won't really help their play. Like saying, Oh, we got to play. What, what do you say? We got to play what dirtier, dirtier. Yeah. We got to play dirtier. Like that's going to help. Let's be Must more, dirtier. let's be less disciplined. And that's going to definitely help us. We're going to take more penalties and the other team is going to be on the power play more often. And we're just going to do that much with Somehow it's going to help us. Oh yeah. What else we got, man? Um, we had one last question on Instagram. Let me load it up here. Uh, it was from Keith Settles. He said, when do we need to start eating crow for doubting Auburg? Uh, um, I think it's only been two games. So. He's played well two games. Yeah, Keith, I, I, we love you, man. But Auburg is uh, he's not the, the answer that's going to change this team's fortunes. It's just not. I mean, he's had a couple of good games. But uh, as we talked about, he's a defensive liability. You don't really notice him other than when he has the puck. Which is fine. That's that's what he did. That's what he does. That's what he is. A one-dimensional player. There's room for those guys in the league. I think so. Uh, last question, and it's a fitting question to be the last question. We've kind of asked this pretty much every show. Uh, how much worse can we get, and who do you think we beat next? So, how who much do worse you think can this we get? beat next? Yeah. So first, oh, how how much worse can this right get? Uh, yeah. So answer the question, the other one first. How much worse can this get? Uh, it could get really bad. It, it could get to the 10-game the losing streak mark easily. 
easily. Well, here's got... the here's the Ducks' next six games. Uh, the New York Rangers, Columbus Blue Jackets, Los Angeles Kings, Calgary Flames, Minnesota Wild, and Nashville Predators. Five of those six are at home. I'm going to the game on Sunday, so they better not lose that one. I've already been to a losing game this year. It was on uh, my favorite player all times night, Korea night. So mm-hmm. maybe the Ducks can scrape a win out against Columbus on Sunday, but they honestly, should, beat, they should the beat the Rangers. Yes, yeah, they, they should be they beating should. the Rangers. The Rangers are eighth in the Metro, four seven and one. But the Flyers came into this game, I believe, four seven and one, and down near the bottom of the. I think the Rangers the made Dustin Brown and the Kings look good the other day. So who knows? Yeah, but you go you go right into Columbus. That's not a great matchup for the Ducks. They're a, a fast, speedy team. Yeah, they haven't done as much as we kind of expected from them this year, but that's never a good matchup. Uh, the Kings, that's just going to be an ugly game. I don't even want to think about that if the Ducks go into there with a, a – is it an eight? It'd be an eight-game losing streak going into L.A. Ugh. They lost their ninth. If you, Tuesday, if, it, right? if you lose to L.A. and it's your ninth loss in a row – Randy Carlisle gets fired after that game for sure. If you lose a ninth straight game, it's to the LA Kings <laughs> in LA. Like I feel like he has to. And then you come off LA with a back-to-back at home against the Flames. And if the Flames have any sort of rest, they're gonna kill them. They're. I'm you not love looking the Flames. That That's whatsoever. why. I know you love the Flames. But like that team is so fast. It's just. Jimmy says they're gonna lose on Sunday, Pat. Thanks, Jimmy. Damn you. <laughs> <laughs> it's bad when you look at all these games and the only game I'm like, yeah, they could probably win that is against the Rangers. Yeah. And even after those six games, it doesn't get much better. You have Vegas, Toronto, and Colorado. Toronto. I just like, that's a scary team, even without Austin Matthews and William Nylander. So we'll see what happens. Colorado. There. Like you're playing Colorado, the, the yeah. NHL's best line and, and Ronton and Landis Cog and McKinnon. They're just going to tear everybody apart. You're making me really depressed, man. <laughs> We, you want that question wanted us to look at the uh, the schedule. So what do you expect? True. So let's say we call our good buddy Dave into the show. Dave, if you're listening, make sure you wait for your Skype call here in a sec. Gonna get him on. We got some questions for him. So Dave is. Uh, if you're in our in our like the, we have different tiers on Patreon. If you're in the highest tier, you get uh, you get the chance to be picked to come on the show live and answer some questions. Uh, his favorite player all time is Paul Correa. His favorite current players are Kessler, um, Getzloff, and Manson. So we got a little bit of a uh, little bit of uh, um, trivia for you, Dave. Are you live with us? Yes, I am. Oh, here we go. Are you sleeping? Uh, no, I'm up. Okay. Did you stay on the on the feed long enough to see uh, the prize we're giving you? Yeah, I saw it. The is that thing... acceptable? Oh, for sure. <laughs> Let's make it sure. Um, there's no vegan questions for you. We figured you'd be too good at those. Um, we'd stay off that topic. But uh, are you ready to play the uh, the wild game show that uh, is going to be Dave trivia? Let's do it. All right. I'll go with the first one. Eddie, we'll switch off. Cool. Okay. Uh, first question for you, Dave. You just have to get the majority of the answers. So there's five questions. You got to at least knock out three of them here. What is the maximum capacity for a hockey game at Honda Center? Oh, crap. You want the exact number? Or? The exact number. If it's a sellout, man, how many How many are we filling that up with? Oh, man. Uh, I'm going to lose my Ducks fan card. <laughs> I'm going to go. I'm just going to take a somewhat of a wild guess. I'm 
I'm going to go with 17,850. Oh, 17,174. And you could thank your good friend Jason for that question. He goes, let's give him an easy one to start. And that was the one he wanted to put in there. <laughs> that to was probably through. the hardest question we I have. know. <laughs> All right, Eddie, you can take right. the next one. All right, second question. Uh, how many points did Paul Correa finish his career with? Jeez, you guys want exact numbers. Again, I'm going to lose my fan card. Everyone's going to hate me. This darn vegan. <laughs> I'll give you a hint. He's a point per game. So if you know his, if you know how many games he played, then you'll know how many points he had. I don't recall. So I'm going to take another stab. I'm going to go with... I don't think he got to 1,000. He did. Uh, if you want... Hey, I'll give you I'll give you another hint. It it hit the number has something to do with Korea and Solani. The number is oh, I don't know if that's hint. helpful. Yeah, it's that. helpful. I think it's helpful. I'm gonna go with nine hundred eighty nine. Oh he just yes. googled it and got it. Ah oh, Dave. Nope, I didn't. I didn't. <laughs> it's the hint. All right. Third question. Go ahead. All right. So this one you should know just because uh you're in love with Ryan Getzloff as much as I am. Uh, what team does Ryan Getzloff's brother play for in the Canadian Football League? Is that the Saskatchewan uh, the uh, Rough Riders? Oh, he got yes. it. He yeah. got it. He got it. He's got, he's, uh, he missed the Honda Center capacity. He got the big hint on the second one, but now he's able to get the third answer. You're two, right. two for three. You need one of these last two. So, well, we'll ask both anyway. But so for this next question, the fourth question, who were the four goal scorers for the comeback on Catella? Four goal scorers. Okay. So let's see. Uh, well, I know the last one was Corey Perry. One before that was Ricard Raquel. Yep. Uh, crap. <laughs> Can't help you on this one. No, don't help me. I've had enough help. I'm going to go Fowler and Silverberg. Oh, oh Getzloff so was the other one instead of Silverberg. Oh. Getzloff, right, Fowler, and Silverberg. I was at that game, too. I know, I know. And I'm sure Jimmy in chat was dying to put that on chat because he, <laughs> he has a poster that he was getting it signed at, uh, at FanFest. All right, man, the last one for you to get the autograph, Paul Korea Canvas. What number did Ryan Getzloff wear before he switched to 15? 51. Oh, there yeah, we go. Yeah, I knew that there one. We there we go. He goes all the way to the end. Congratulations, <laughs> Dave. Thanks for playing. Thanks for supporting us, man. As much as of a hard time we give you for being a vegan, uh, we know, <laughs> you know we love you. And uh, we'll Thanks, make sure guys. you get uh, a hold of this Paul Korea autograph canvas, man. Thanks for coming on the show and playing. I know it's late. Now. Thank you very much. You guys are awesome. Appreciate it. No problem, dude. Love everything, we'll... Love everything you guys do. Thanks, man. We really appreciate it, dude. All right. All right. Later, buddy. Later. So that was fun. He, he, he stretched it all the way. I thought he wasn't going to get that one. I thought he was more likely to get the uh, comeback on Catella. But yeah. he was able to get Gasloff's number. That's good. That's well, good. I mean, the, the Honda Center question is hard. Like, Jason was like, you... let's give him an easy one. Well, I feel like I feel like if we had have asked Jason without looking that up, 
he's probably not getting that. Oh, dude, he's 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 weird yeah. with stats. Jason would probably have known that off the top of his head, honestly. We also have to like fix how we call, we call people on because I am now editing so I can get our videos back into the picture. Oh, <laughs> what happened? Why did it move us? Well, when Sorry, somebody YouTube people. Skype call, uh, it messes up the video. There we go. That's good enough. So we got to get our own, like our, another layer to put on top when we have a Skype call so it just fits in that. Yeah, area. I'm just lazy. I was going to oh, create terrible. a background, but I didn't yeah, do dude. it. I know. I know. Not well, doing enough. So that will wrap the show for us tonight. Um, we've, you guys know where to find us. We talk about it all the time. Patreon is the place you can go to support us, give you a chance to play for you know, some autographed stuff. We want to give away, you know, as many things as we can to those who support us. Thanks, Dave, for coming on the show. Um, check us out on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. The puck, or the almost the puck guys, Forever Mighty Post Game Show. Uh, <laughs> I'm just so used to saying both. Um, and then also shout out to everybody who's been supporting us on YouTube and in Spreaker still uh, through all these games, man. I, it's got to be tough to watch that game or be at that game and then hear two guys come on uh, on a podcast and tear the team apart. But uh, we love you guys for tuning in night in and night out and suffering with us. I mean, what's suffering if you're not doing it together, right? That's what we're all here for. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, oh, we should probably tell people what's happening for Thursday. Oh, yeah, yeah Thursday. Very strange situation happening on Thursday. Yeah, we're uh, we're so good at all getting together and being on schedule for you guys that once again we're gonna have a, another guest host and uh, this time we're completing that trifecta. This time it's gonna be Jason by himself of the of us three with uh, you. You want it? You want yeah, it set, no, right? It's uh, good good friend. Um, she's been on on Puck Guys prior. Uh, Hannah Spraker is gonna be joining from the fourth period. So and she's up in Toronto, man. So she's gonna be late night and. And uh, just like just like you are, but she's yeah. very happy to come on the show. I was talking to her about it today, and I'm like, "Hey, you get to come and talk about how how great the Ducks are doing with Jason." Uh, and then uh, my wife will be running the audio and the Skype and all that. So I'll be in Sequoia National Park leading Thursday. Eddie was supposed to make it, but his, he, as you guys know, he's he's travels to and from seeing families. He's got a, a trip planned there. So Jay and Hannah will be running the show. Uh, we really appreciate them for putting that together while we're gone. We don't want to miss it, even if they if they lose. Hopefully yeah. they win, and they have an amazing Hopefully. show without us. That, that one will be Spreaker only, too, just so everybody knows, because I I can't run the YouTube uh, from no on one's the bus. No a video so wizard like Eddie is, is what you're trying so to say. So that would that will be for, on Spreaker only. So if you're watching this on YouTube and you haven't seen our show on Spreaker, um, we tweet out the link uh, on Twitter uh, at the end of every game. It's Spreaker's just audio only. Um, but it's it's still it's the exact same show. We just don't have the video, and then the video will be back for Sunday's game against the uh, Columbus Blue Jackets. Yep. So, and then from there on out, it should be good as long as I'm here and I'm planning on here being here for most of the, the games. That will will end up having YouTube for most of them. No, it's it's been amazing that people fill in. Uh, McCann filled in, Chip filled in, and Ian is going to fill in. So we appreciate everybody you know coming together and helping us out. And uh, thanks, you guys. I'm long winded. It's eleven and uh, after eleven o'clock at night, so I'm out. Have a great night, everybody. Okay, we're good.